Last week, we asked on Easter Sunday, why did Jesus die on the cross? And we answered that with three reasons. One, to bring us near to God. That's to bring us in relationship with him. And the second, we uh, realized that Jesus died to reveal us more of God's character, namely that he loves us, but he also is holy, right? He is holy. So he couldn't just uh, ignore our sin. And next, we saw that Jesus died to give us the church, this thing that we have right here among us, those online, those in person, this is church, this, this people, not a building, but a people. We're going to focus in on the fact that Jesus died for the church, but what is the church? We established last week that the church of nostalgia and the country club church are not the church of the New Testament, that buildings and activities are not the church. Now, the Greek word that is translated in our church, uh, in our, our Bibles, that is church, that Greek word can also be translated accurately as assembly or community. See, the church that Jesus died for was all about people, people living together in community, not just sitting in rows quietly. The church is not a place that you go. It's a people, people ministering to other people. So starting today, we're going to go three weeks in on what the church is. And we talked about it. We teased that a little bit last week, that a church is people that worship together, and that's more than just singing. It's people that uh, live in community, genuine community together, not just superficial, but knowing each other. And lastly, people that serve together. And these three irreducible minimums of the church, you boil down the church to what it has to be. These three things are given to us by Brian Sanders. We can have more than these three things, but we cannot have any less or else we may not be a church. A church is a group of people that worship, that live in community, and that do mission together. So we need to ask that question. Am I part of the church? Because if we forsake doing these three things together, then we are forsaking each other. We've got a little graphic up here uh, that gives us that Venn diagram of the irreducible minimums of the church. We see right there in that bullseye is where church happens, where worship and mission and community meet. That is church. And when we hit that target, then we are being the church that God wants us to be. And when we lose one of those pieces, we're missing out on the church that God uh, has given us and has gifted us. That's where church happens, in that bullseye, where those three things intersect. Living together in community and worshiping and doing mission together. See, this right now, Sunday morning, uh, is, is uh, where we come together to celebrate that church is happening here. Not just in this 10 to 11, 15 uh, time slot, but that church is happening among us. Right throughout the week in a daily uh, living out of our faith together. This is a celebration service. Church doesn't start at 10 and end at 11.15. Church is a people that lives in worship together and community and mission together daily. So church member, 
Are you actually participating in church? Are you hitting that bullseye where those three things intersect? Well, that starts with worship. But what is worship? Is worship just a service that we plan at 10 and with an order of worship and a call to worship and worship songs and worship bands? Is that what worship is? Romans 12, you can turn there in your Bibles because this is, where we, this is the main text. Romans 12, 1 through 2. You also, uh, if you don't know, our app has all these verses all spelled out for you with the notes and everything if you want to jump on there too. Romans 12, 1, talks about what worship is. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. He's making an appeal. He's saying, this is so important. I beg you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to do what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, this is what worship looks like, a living sacrifice. It's not an event that you go to. It's not just singing. It's a, an act of you giving yourself over to God in sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And next it says, uh, this is what you shouldn't do. That is what worship looks like. This is not what worship looks like. It says, do not be conformed to this world. That's, that's you worshiping the things of this world rather than worshiping God. Do not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we have set so low the bar of what worship is. It's not three songs where I sing if I feel like it, right? Those of you that are those people that are like, man, I don't really like to sing. These masks have been a godsend to you, right? You don't even have to mouth the words. You don't have to say watermelon anymore. You can just stand there and maybe move your eyebrows up and down a little bit and you're good to go. But worship is complete and total surrender, an offering and sacrifice of ourselves, our wills, and our opinions. Tony Evans says it this way, complete surrender is the difference between what a chicken and a pig bring to breakfast. A chicken makes a contribution, but a pig gives everything, Right? That's the difference. That's what worship is. But we try and appease God with offerings of our little eggs, little pieces of ourselves, instead of true worship, which is a sacrifice of surrender. This living sacrifice changes how we relate to the world. Don't be conformed to the world. What the world says is not important to those of us that are Jesus followers. We have a different uh, set of beliefs. We've got a different uh, means and a different purpose. We don't conform to the world. We allow God instead to transform our minds through what his uh, word says. If God says enough said, this is what's important. I don't care what the world says. Take the world. Give me Jesus. This living sacrifice changes us. You know, the first time the word worship appears in the Bible is in the story of Abraham and Isaac. And that's the picture of what worship is supposed to be. You know, this father that thinks he's going to have to sacrifice his son to, uh, to, to please God. And God tested him there. A true spiritual worship 
costs you something. True spiritual worship changes you. It's transformative. Coming into a building at 10 o'clock and sitting in the back and never changing, never serving, never giving, never living in community with anyone around you. That has never been church and it's not church now. Jesus didn't give up his life just so that you could hear someone preach once a week and never sacrifice yourself, never actually change and transform, never preach a message with your words and your life to the people that are around you. Never actually help anyone else. See, Jesus gives us salvation and this gift is meant to be given. See, heaven is not the only goal for salvation. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus, but we don't wait till then till we allow him to begin to change us and to be more like Jesus. Jesus didn't die just so that we could be a hearer and fill our heads with knowledge. He died for the church so that you could experience what it's like and the joy of living in a life of being a doer together with your church. Worship is it acting out the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross for us. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, 23. We don't like this, right? This doesn't sound familiar to us. This doesn't look like what we think church looks like. He says, if anyone would come after me, what does that mean? If anyone would be a Jesus follower, if anyone would be a Christian, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Is that what Christianity today looks like? A denying of myself, my preferences, my opinions, my thoughts, my plans, my schedule, Denied. Jesus, what do you want me to do? How can I follow you today? Let me take up this suffering. Suffering, I don't want any part of that. Church is supposed to be comfortable, right? It's a little hot in here today. Some of us are like, man, I'm out of here. I'm going to get out of here. It's too hot. Hey, I like that attitude right there. Thank you, Caroline. Positive attitude. That's great. Emily's like dying over there too. (laughs) She's sweating now. She wasn't before. But this, it, it, we, what we consider uncomfortable is so, uh, it's just easy, right? Heaven's not the only goal. If we're going to worship and follow Jesus and worship him with our lives, it's going to cost us something. And if it doesn't hurt, then it's not the right thing. If it doesn't uh, make us uncomfortable, then it's not following Jesus. He said it's, we're going to have to deny himself. How many of you love to deny yourself? How many of you love to say to everyone all the time, like, hey, no, let's take your uh, suggestion for what we eat tonight, honey. Or, hey, let's uh, let you go first. Deny ourselves. Let's carry the cross. I, uh, a couple weeks ago, was trying to set up a, a scene for the uh, Easter devotionals, and I, I, we have a big wooden cross uh, that's up on the stage in the gym, and I was carrying it around here, uh, and I, I, you know, I leaned into it. I just went ahead and tried to carry it like I thought maybe Jesus would have. And I want to tell you this one thing. I'm not a strong man, but it was not comfortable. It hurts your back. It rubs on you. You're hitting things as you're walking around and making turns. This thing that we uh, have come accustomed to is so easy, but it's not what God has called us to. He calls us to take up a cross daily and follow him. It's denying yourself. 
doesn't say if anyone wants to follow me, let him wake up a little bit early on a Sunday morning, drive four minutes down the road, and doze off in a seat for an hour while someone else talks. And then you're good. Then we're fine, as long as you do that. No, it's denying yourself and daily taking up a cross of worship and following Jesus. It's not enough to say you're a Christian with your lips. It's not enough to say that Jesus is Lord with just your lips. Luke 6, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not, and do not what I tell you to do. Why do you call me? I'm not your Lord. I'm not your master. Why do you say this when you don't do what I tell you to do? Being doers and not hearers. That's where it's at. It's acting out our faith. Doing doesn't save us, but it is proof of a genuine and alive relationship with God. The God of the universe that made you and created you and gave you all that you have. That word Christian literally means like Christ or little Christ. But it's not a label. That's what people like to put on us, right? I'm a Christian. Check that on the box. I'm a Christian. Is that all it is? Is it just a label? So you can't say I'm a Christian without actively being a Christian because it's not a label, it's a lifestyle. There's an action involved. I am attempting to be like Christ. We know we're never gonna get there, right? But Christ sacrificed something for us to have this thing called the church is what we have, is what we know of as church, what he gave himself for. Are our standards too low? Is the bar set too low? When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he told them this, thy will be done. Ask this and pray this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will be done. Not my will, God's will. And that's where worship starts. A group of people willing to sacrifice and be dedicated to surrendering themselves and submitting themselves to the fact that Jesus is Lord, not just with their lips, but with their lives for his will. And our will and our plans and our desires and our resources are laid down at the altar of worship. But for most of us, Church has never cost us anything, and so we've never invested anything. The only fears that we have as a church is that the pastor's going to preach too long, or someone's going to call on me to pray, or maybe my kid will be bad back in kids' church. But that's not true of the New Testament church 2,000 years ago. These little problems that we think we have. That's not uh, true of churches across the world today, right now, meeting on Sunday uh, across the world. There are churches in Asia today that they have to check outside for communist officials to to see if they're going to break into their service and carry the pastor away to jail. J.D. Greer gives an example of a pastor in a Muslim country that asked his congregation to write down five names of people that they knew that needed the gospel. And then he asked them, all right, I want you to identify one person out of that five that you think is the least likely to kill you if you give them the gospel. 
And I want you to pray about giving the gospel to that person this week. We, th- these things don't even compute, right? Our problem is they ran out of coffee in the cafe. Or our problem is we got to be a little bit uncomfortable for a little while. And then we feel like we're persecuted, right? There's a church in Beijing called Zion Church, a church of 1,500 that was shut down by the government because they wouldn't allow surveillance cameras from the government to be set up in the sanctuary. We have never been persecuted. We don't know what that's like. And it's offensive to those around the world that are being persecuted when we say that we are. And our fears about being called on to pray seem a little bit silly in that light, right? Worship costs us something. Worship takes sacrifice. Worship causes transformation. It changes us. John Piper said, true worship is a valuing or a treasuring of God above all things. That's what worship is. It's not a little song that we sing. It's a putting of God above everything, valuing him above everything, treasuring him above everything. All our needs, all our wants, all our desires, our family. We don't like to hear that one, right? We're supposed to deny ourselves and follow him. That's why it says, if anyone follow me, he's got to hate his mom and hate his dad. And do. And we read, the, read those words and we're like, he didn't really mean that. But it's us putting him above everything. And in comparison, it, it doesn't even compare how much we value and treasure our God. See, the Pharisees were stuck in the motions of tradition and ritual, and that's where they got it wrong. They got stuck in the ways that they said everything needed to happen, and they always just sat around and criticized everybody else, and they missed the point. Well, let's put that in our terms, right? What are the rituals and the the going through the motions that we struggle with? We don't have a problem with, you know, lighting menorahs or, uh, you know, uh, sacrificing lambs in a certain way. Our problem is we think church needs to fit into this little box where we wake up and go to church, sing, pray, give, never change, next Sunday, rinse and repeat. And we're stuck. Jesus said this to the Pharisees, and I think it applies to us. In Matthew 15, 8. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You have put your traditions over what God has told us to do. You've made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What are the things that get us upset? When have you ever in a church had a fight about something that actually was contained in God's word? When we have frustration and struggle with each other, it's the ideas of men that we fight about. I guarantee us none of us have ever had a uh, come to almost fisticuffs with someone over the Trinity, right? By the way, that's what Santa Claus did. If you, uh, are, no, yeah, yeah, St. Nicholas, yeah. He fought somebody over the Trinity. 
It makes Santa Claus a lot cooler now, right? We don't have fights about that stuff. That's not what frustrates us about each other. It's that I think I've got a way to do things and you guys are doing it different. So I need to just, I need to be angry and frustrated. No, we take things. When we have problems, we take things to the people. We take things to the places and we share it with love. And we have grace for each other. And we realize that when we give our opinion, that's our contribution. And then we have to leave it up to God. We don't push and fight. Because when we do that to each other, we make void the word of God. And in vain do we worship when we put our ideas over God. We're stuck in the mud of low expectations and the low sacrifice of the American church. We call it worship, but it never changes us. We call it worship, but it never costs us. We say we're worshiping God, but we're just doing what people expect out of Christians. We're just doing what we've always done. And all the while, our heart is far from God and we worship him in vain. But our heart must be fully engaged. There's another way to live. We don't have to fall into these low expectations. We can look at the examples of the New Testament church and say, hey, there's a different way. There's a different example. We can look at the life of Jesus and say, hey, I can live in a way that's different. Hearts fully engaged, a living sacrifice. And then when our heart is engaged, it transforms our works and it is all motivated by the joy and the love of our Savior. Jesus said in John 4, 23, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers We'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That means our emotion engaged and our minds engaged, right? Our spirit and what we know to be true. We'll worship him in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Heart engaged, spirit engaged in the truth of who God is. And then it changes you. It transforms you. It causes you to step out of your apathy and your spiritual laziness. Jesus is seeking those people to worship him. That's what worship looks like. Hebrews 13 tells us more about this sacrifice of worship. 13.15 says, Through him... Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Then it goes on though. It says, look, it's not just with your lips. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Worship and praise come out of sacrifices of doing good and sharing what you have and praising God with your mouth and living in a way that is pleasing to him. And a group of people that is sacrificially, uh, sacrificially worshiping together inwardly and outwardly involved in good works is the first irreducible minimum of a church. The church that Jesus gave up his life for. Worship, community, and mission. We can have more than these things, but we cannot have less. Gathering and worshiping together like it makes a difference. Growing in community together like never before. And giving on mission like we won't run out. Worship is sacrifice and surrender. And a true church is a group of people that do this together. 
Complete surrender. That's the difference between what a chicken brings to breakfast and what a pig brings to breakfast. A chicken just sprinkles in a little contribution, but a pig gives everything. And God is waiting for you to bring a sacrifice of worship to him and to give him everything. Let me read Romans 12.1 one last time. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. True worship costs something. True worship is a valuing and a treasuring of God above all things. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. When thinking about these things over the past year, God has really worked on my heart that our bar is set so low for what we feel like the church is supposed to be. And there is a core group of people in every church that's doing everything that have these things locked in. They're hitting the middle of that bullseye. But what's that percentage? Right? I don't know. It's not big. We've set the bar low. We said as long as you you know, show up maybe once or twice a year, you kind of sprinkle in a little bit of contribution, then you're worshiping God, and that's enough. But God has something bigger for us. God has something higher for us, a denying of ourselves and taking up our cross daily. It's not just what happens here on this property or through our calendar or schedule. Worship is something that you dive into with your entire life. Worship is more about what you do alone with God than what we do together in this room. Worship is you not being conformed to this world, but instead being transformed. It's a living sacrifice daily, giving it over to God, and He's you know, so happy and accepting of it. We need to ask ourselves, when was the last time I really worshipped God? There's plenty of ways to worship Him. Anytime we put His will before our own. Maybe that comes out through singing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not something you love to do. Maybe it's giving Him some time. Maybe it's taking some time daily, every day, to spend some time with Him. Maybe it's giving for you. That's the... uh, the thing that you can't quite get over. And that's how you're going to worship God every week through habitual giving. Maybe it's a time of service and, and finding someone to pour into. Maybe it's finally taking the leap out of your shell and your excuses and reaching out to someone else and start uh, building and praying for relationships where you can be in community, pouring into someone else. 
These things all meld together. But worship is going to cost us something. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray for each and every one of us, God, that you help us to raise the bar on what we believe church is supposed to look like. What believe this? Uh, what we believe this following of you is supposed to look like. Help us to remember that it's not an address, it's not a, a website or a calendar or a building. God, but church is a people, people that do things together. Help us to find our tribe within the church. Help us to find our people that we can minister and be accountable to and share with and push each other towards Christ. God, I pray for those listening online, those that aren't yet comfortable. It's even harder for them to have this community. God, I pray that you help us to reach out to someone. Help us to find someone on this list of people that's watching and commenting and just reach out. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how they, you can pray for them. Ask them what they're reading in God's word, what they're learning through this time. God, help us to be the church you want us to be. Maybe you're listening, you're here, and you don't know for sure that you are a follower of Jesus yet. You're not sure you are a Christian. You can't go back to a time and a place where you remember that you understood that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior. You knew that because of your sin, you deserved hell. You can't remember a time where you put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. See, Jesus is God in the flesh. 2,000 years ago, he walked this life, lived a perfect and holy life, so that he, as an innocent person, God in the flesh, could die in our place, die for all of us guilty people. He took our punishment that we deserved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's more than just words. It's a turning and a following of Jesus. And it's going to cost you something. It's not just the get out of hell free card. It's a turning of your will and saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to let go of all these things I'm holding on to. That's what repentance is, is a turning around. You could call out to God right now. The words aren't important. If that's you, I encourage you to do that right now. Lord Jesus, we love you, God. As we worship and sing, God, help it to be a true worshiping. God, help our songs to echo what our heart is saying. In your name we pray. Amen.